Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on Processing Severance, the after show podcast brought to you by the Hollywood Critics Association. If you haven't done so, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel for this show and so much more. I'm your host, Rasha Goel, with my co-host. I'm Jeff. And I'm Rick. And we're not children. No, we are not. Lots to talk about. And you are not allowed to visit other departments. Is that clear? Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, we have a fun episode planned for you. We're going to be talking about episode six, Hide and Seek, directed by F.L. McArdle. But before we get into the episode, just a quick reminder, spoiler alerts, we do a recap, we share our theories and opinions and comments. So make sure you check out the show before you watch our after show. And if you have something that you want to share with us, maybe there's a theory that you know about, feel free to email us at shows at hollywoodcriticsassociation.com. Don't forget to put severance in the subject. Of course, we would love to hear from you, or you can always leave your comments on our YouTube page. And of course, there is Twitter and Instagram as well. So we'd love to hear from you guys. We're so excited. We have a special treat for all of you. We have a surprise guest. Is it a ninny? They won't even tell me what I'm doing here. Okay, great. So I guess you guys will find out just like we are. I think I first want to ask you about the introduction to Heli is so interesting. Can you tell us about that scene and kind of how it sets up the tone and the precedent for the the series? Yeah, that scene is so carefully constructed by Dan, the writer. Um, I think it's I think it's the scene that changed the least amount from like his original draft seven years ago. Um, And I, I think what uh, drew me into this character's point of view was how she immediately uh, knows there's something off about this office place and wants to escape. Hmm. There was something um, almost feral about my approach to Heli in this instance. Um, she's raw. She has no memory of who she is, uh, which is a terrifying thing to wake up to. And she's locked inside of this strange room, just hearing one voice coming out of a speaker system. So I, yeah, this this scene really sets up for the audience that this is a disorienting world. And having just done the severance procedure, Heli is giving us an insight into what it feels like viscerally and emotionally, I think one of the most poignant parts of the of that interview process is when she has no idea what color her mother's eyes are. And it yeah. really, it, it affects her uh, in a way that I think it would affect any of us if we didn't know such a basic fact about our origin. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I didn't even write this down, but I have to ask you, I was so interested in how your character just began sprawled out on a table. And I'm sure you talked about the the point between her severance and how she got in that room. Did they just like dump you from the ceiling or? <laughs> uh, you'd have to ask Dan Erickson sort of the uh, progression of how that came to be. But I know he thought of the office table as being almost like this birthing center and that, yeah, these characters are waking up as essentially new humans Mm -hmm. inside of this space. So yeah, it's, I don't know, I guess they probably 
picked her up after her surgery and uh, what has been your favorite moment to shoot so far yeah maybe it's been <laughs> talked about before there's the, you in one of the trailers you see us like dancing mm -hmm. there's a there's a music dance experience that happens that was super yeah. fun to film because like i said we were in this you know fluorescent lighting for such a long time and then to get to dance was really it's weird you'll see yeah i i look forward to it because it's a very different vibe than what we've seen so far yeah yeah how is heli different from or similar to you <laughs> um she's um well we both have really good aim <laughs> so uh I, yeah, I'm really proud of that scene where I throw a speaker at Adam Scott's head. Um, we must have done that take like 40 times, but uh, but I got it in the right area every time. And I, was, <laughs> you know, there is something athletic about Heli that is mm -hmm. true to me as well. I was I grew up playing basketball, and oftentimes on set I would tell Ben like, you know, you can think of me like a point guard, like when we're doing the action scenes, like tell me where the mark is, like I'm okay looking at playback. Uh, the action-y stuff was, was really fun for me as, as sort of a, mm -hmm. uh, a, a sports person. Um, yeah. But Heli is way more brave than me. She's um, way more <laughs> unapologetically honest. She's taught me a lot about how I can speak up for myself more in my life and yes it's refreshing it's refreshing when someone is um is like that is she's sharp she's clever she's just dynamic uh i don't know if i'm all those things i i hope i can be a little bit more like her i guess <laughs> yeah the break room is so interesting because it you know you think well what they're just repeating a thing like what's what's so scary about being in that room but when you actually see a better window into it, it is a really unsettling experience. And I wanted to ask you if you could go into a little more detail on what Heli's going through when she's in there and what it's like to shoot that scene. Well, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a brainwashing process and mm -hmm. the, uh, the repetition of that, um, piece of um, text over and over again with like without um, relenting is mm -hmm. it's, it's maddening you know mm -hmm. it's it's meant to break her let's call the break room it's meant to break her right spirit yeah. uh, filming the scene I had to do a lot of like closing my eyes and taking breaks from looking at the light because it was really bright um, <laughs> We did not film it 1,072 times, so I didn't lose my mind. Uh, we were strategic in that. Um, and yeah, um, Tramel, my, Tramel Tillman, who plays Mr. Milchik, what is like just the total opposite of his character. He's the most warm and loving and gentle person. So to get to play with him and in between takes to like remind each other that we're humans and that, you know, we're not actually in this, uh, in this torturous scenario. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to, you know, to just keep it light on the, on the outside of filming. I, I'm so interested in uh, that 
conflict between Audi Heli and any Heli. What I will say is that I, I they are the same person. Um, and I differentiated the two thinking about id versus ego and that the Audi Heli has lived a whole life of, of experiences and memories and conditioning that has made her who she is. Any Heli represents that id, that raw, rebellious, almost like a teenage uh, angst energy. Mm -hmm. And I think it's quite poignant that often, you know, we speak to ourselves more harshly than even our best friends would. So when Audi Heli mm. is speaking to herself, uh, you know, I, I think there's something relatable there where it's like, oh, that part of me that I don't like, or like, that's a behavior that's unacceptable to me now. And mm -hmm. she's playing that tough, tough love, uh, you know, mm -hmm. card. Yeah, absolutely. We're and we we're, you're we're definitely harsher to ourselves, and, and and that comes across so well in that scene. Yeah, she may not ever speak to anyone else like that. Mm -hmm. It's herself. Yeah, so you feel you have leverage to be extra. Uh, some might say abusive. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting. It's definitely uh, it gives me pause every time I think about it. For sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, now, I, I want to mention the uh, the suicide episode where Heli takes the ultimate and drastic measures before finding some other way to fight the system. Um, of course, that's a, a topic. The show doesn't take anything lightly and is very thoughtful, and that's a topic you have to be very thoughtful about. What were your discussions like, uh, uh, you and the creators, Ben Stiller, going into that episode? Yeah, well, it's, it's certainly something that we dealt with with great sensitivity. And again, that uh, Heli's progression towards self-harm really speaks to how much she values her freedom and autonomy. And I think it speaks to the depths to which she's feeling betrayed by herself. You know, so in that act, in that, um, in that suicide attempt, it's not only, um, you know, comes out of this desperation, but also it's an act of, um, it's an act of revenge really to herself. And at least for any Heli, someone she perceives to be outside of herself. Right. And then that's recently been reinforced for her like, oh, well, apparently these are, these are the terms we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. It, it becomes almost an act of, of war. You know, early on, you even wonder, your, your character, Heli, even wonders, you know, are we livestock? What's going on? And then later, they they encounter room with actual livestock. Is there, a con like, uh, you know, little baby goats and whatever? Um, is there a, a connection there that you can talk about at this point? Honestly, I, um, I'm in the dark as well. I purposefully don't know. Okay. I, I just felt like for... Helly's journey it was it was better for me if I didn't know what was going on sure so that I can be I'm kind of like the audience I'm in a perpetual state of discovery and curiosity and my my main line is I say what the hell like so many times throughout the whole series so to actually be in a state of what the hell was like good for me as a as a performer 
Is there anything uh, about Lumen that is illuminating that you can tell us about? I, I don't know. I mean, except the fact that they just make everything. Like they make the pens, they make the, everything that's in the office has been made by the company itself. Mm -hmm. And so this is a, you know, it's not only a company, but they're, as you've started to see with the um, rollout, there is this kind of almost spiritual uh, element that I still am discovering too, honestly. Sure. Yeah. I'm in the dark with you. <laughs> I love it. Join us. <laughs> I am aware that this alteration is comprehensive and irreversible. I make these statements freely. Okay, that's a wrap. All right, episode six. Things are starting to become a little clearer. But let's get right into the opening of this show, which was very eerie, um, cultish. And I, I don't know, there was just so much going on in my head just with the way the scene was set up, the colors, the music, and how we see um, Ms. Selvig you know, just in her house, just coming out and doing this prayer seance. Uh, it was very interesting, but very eerie, but gave us a deeper look into who this woman is. You know, it's funny because, you know, like I've been telling you guys that I like, I couldn't wrap my hand, like my head completely around this thing being a cult. Cause like, I want to just keep believing in the experiment aspect of Lumen, but this episode definitely shows that. Yeah. I mean, you can't like, hands down there. There is a very big cult aspect to what's going on. The candles, the pictures. I mean, even her mm -hmm. room doesn't seem like a real bedroom. I mean, it's either like she's in an insane asylum yeah. or she's in a convent or I don't know. It's just like, it's all white and it looks like there's like a jail cell. Yeah. It's like white cinder block and she has a shrine and she, you know, has this whole litany that she does to to cure. And there's a picture of her as a child. Like, she was raised in whatever this is. Yes. And, well, and, and the way that scene was shot, too, right? Even in the shrine, the way the images are captured, it really mm -hmm. gives you an idea of how committed she is to this cause. Mm -hmm. But really how involved she is. Um, so that that was really interesting, but a lot of other things unraveled in here too, as far as people standing up for themselves. You know, um, we see Mark questioning now Harmony as far as what he does here. We see um, his sister with the baby. I'm just uh, doing a couple of the highlights. Yeah, of course. Going to come back yeah, and we're gonna talk be, a little then bit we're gonna more dive about deep, it. Yeah. Um, you know, we see. We see Mark going on a date with Alexa, but then we see there might be some chemistry happening at work with Helly as well. Uh, we see Dylan and his obnoxious, funny, subtle comments of where he just, he can never win that poor guy and he ain't getting anything from anybody. Um, and I think the biggest thing really is recognizing uh, the departments coming together. I mean, this time we see people, the employees are taking a stance, the group from the microdata refinement department they're done and they want to see, they want to really find out what's going on in this company. So a lot, a lot happening. And of course we now get to see a piece of Dylan's Audi world. And that was very fascinating. So uh, let's just go to the beginning. Of course, we just talked about the prayer and um, Mrs. Selvig, but um, you know, the phone, Oh wait, can we talk about the phone? So we see Mark 
taking the phone from the box, throwing it into the trash can, right? He's thrown it already. And then we see him coming back, driving up and pulling out. Now, my question for everybody out there is, why does this phone not need a charger? And it's always ringing and it's always working and he never answers it. How does it stay charged? Because, you know, we're spoiled though, because that is a flip phone. So it's not a smartphone and it probably doesn't even get texts. So the battery life is longer. Yeah, it could be. Okay. It could be. My, my theory is that since, since it's within this basically company town, I think it's powered by dreams, just bad ones. <laughs> the whole town is a bad dream. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about basically the chemistry happening between our four main characters and how they're really starting to take a stance for what they believe in. I think that scene with Mark actually questioning Harmony on what do we do here, uh, that's a very powerful scene. It's the first time that we've actually seen him having some type of an anger emotion. I mean, we've seen other emotions, but I feel like this time he's just really standing in his power. I What it is is he's so confident to me. Mm-hmm. He's very confident um even though oh my gosh she is like a tiger and just or a lion well yeah I mean, right she, back at him. yeah she's just like we serve care you child you know and it only goes along with what i was saying is that like they view them as children or they try to treat them like children that's where marx is like he's like we are not children but mm-hmm. it just kind of goes along with that i was just i was like yes i'm validated in this episode what i've been saying i was like i was wrong about the cult thing but i was right that they're children <laughs> well and that goes into the whole thing too when they're told not to visit you know no inner departmental no inner fraternizing camaraderie camaraderie yeah that's another fraternizing yes you know and it's like again they're just they're being treated like children i think what's interesting too is is that because i mean i've been saying the whole time that i think they're experimenting on them that they're that these people are not workers they're these subjects of this I don't know what they're trying to do, like this cult-like perfectionism they're trying to instill. But they they see them as objects, kind of like we talked about last episode, and not as their own people. And so they don't really have rights, and they don't really have agency. And uh, and at this point, between last episode and this one, they're really starting to fight and get that back. And just, you know... uh talking about experiments again too yes that's a feeling i've been having because even with miss casey who at first you think is maybe perhaps on harmony and milchick's side well she's just an experiment too for harmony so harmony has no attachment to anybody these are Mm -hmm. all just experiments for her they're not workers they're not people actually that's why i should say they're not people absolutely because even in their audi life she's manipulating things behind the scenes she's stealing books she's integrating themselves into their lives holding their babies. Uh, She's doing shady, shady stuff. Well, let's talk about that. That scene, too, was also very eerie as she just nonchalantly walks into their And I got to tell you, when that, I did not expect that. Mm -hmm. And, and like, you know, in the story, like, certain things happen, you know, you're kind of like, okay, like, whatever. But, like, that's truly in this series, like, definitely, like, surprising to me Mm -hmm. to see her walk in. I was like, wow, okay. He's like, that's really, I mean, it's okay. It's okay if she wants to steal and do some breaking and entering. But right when you start messing with people's babies, I mean that's crossing a line, lady. Don't my, do anything to the baby. Yeah, exactly. My, my my notes for this section are literally in all caps. Get Selvig away from baby, and I hand wrote the all caps. I was like, do not, do not, do not hand the baby over to her, please. And they're obviously smitten by her because she calms the baby down. 
Um, and, and speaking of babies, you know, I think that interaction too between Devin and the other woman who delivered the baby. So we see them meeting in the other up in the last episode. Now their babies have been delivered, and she approaches that woman, and that woman just doesn't remember her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gabby, Gabby Arteta, Gabby yes. Arteta. Right. And yeah. they were talking about babies' names, and she's just clueless as far as what she's what she's talking about. Then Devin goes back and looks her up, mm-hmm. finds out she's married to a senator who believes Angelo in, Arteta. Yeah. Uh, yes, thank you, and who believes in severance and um it just makes me feel like there's a larger conspiracy happening here yeah and it's it's like in one of those things too like again like i mean it's it's interesting that now we're exploring the audi world and we're not just exploring like our main characters but some of our side characters and introducing as we're getting towards the end and yeah like it's like it's like oh she doesn't remember it's like wow this goes beyond this goes beyond like the stuff that we've seen in the innies at lumen but okay, I'm, guys, I'm curious to know what what do you guys think? I mean, within one day of having that baby, did something happen to her? Because it's so strange that they had this interaction, this conversation. They're talking about baby names, and she has no recollection of it the next day. The thing that I think is interesting too, because she, so she's the the you know the the wife of a pro severance senator, and we've seen in this episode, uh, and there's there's more space to talk about it in, in a bit. But we've seen that the the severance world extends beyond the workplace in terms of how it affects people. So I would not be surprised if she's had that procedure done on her. And I also don't, and of course this is speculation, I don't currently know. Uh, I, I also think it's possible that someone could be severed into more than two aspects of their self because it's not like cutting off the left brain from the right brain you have the totality of your 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 functions and your persona but it's sliced into different experiential moments right and so who knows how many times you could be severed maybe you know there's four of her i don't know so like in this situation maybe it's uh she like pre-birth post-birth could be as opposed as opposed to like the the day where it's uh pre-work and or like as opposed to the day where it's like this is your work day and then this is your personal day right 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 i feel like the the implications are there for that to be possible that's so interesting though especially when it comes to this woman being pregnant and carrying a child and how that just works before the pre-birth and then post i'm I'm just curious yeah that's what i'm saying it's like like Oh, I'm not pregnant. We, oh, but yes, I am. You know, like how I mean. I mean, that's and that's the thing. It's like we thought that we knew one rule. We right. thought the rule that we knew is that it's at Lumen. You volunteer for it, and it happens in the sense of you can sw- you can uh, separate your personal life from your work life. We thought that's what that we thought that right. was a, the one rule. But now it's yeah. We, now we've got a Extends. whole set of yeah, a whole right. other set of rules of how this thing possibly works, or the conspiracy, or the cult, or the exactly. experiment. Exactly, because uh, the other thing that we thought is not only was it time determined, but as far as we knew, you know, it's spatially too, where where you're on the elevator and that's the trigger. No, they can trigger you whenever, wherever. The the implications for us being controlled if severed are endless. And when you talk about being triggered wherever, whenever, that scene, I think, is so pivotal in this episode with Dylan, um, you know, where he's able to go back. So, basically, well, let's rewind here a little bit. So, basically, we see that the two departments have met. You know, at this point, the, the, they've been told, the macro, the macro data refinement department has been told, you are not to go and interact with other departments. 
they decide to rebel. They take us, and I love that scene as they're walking in the hall. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see the again the music, the pacing they, of it. Yeah, and, they, go. Oh, I was gonna say they, they they do that that movie cool walk, <laughs> you know, uh, in a group, and it and they they play that scene out, which I'm so happy they did. And uh, yeah, and I got to be honest, I wasn't sure if it was gonna happen that quickly. I thought maybe that you know Dylan and Irv would do their the fraternizing, the camaraderie first, and then. Uh, Helly and Mark would be working on the map separately before mm-hmm. they would all come together. Like I, I didn't expect them to come together. So, cause like, you know, like, like I said, cause we're, we're just over the halfway mark. I thought that would be still mm-hmm. like one more episode before like the whole group. But I mean, but it's showing like they're uniting. Yeah. Yep. I didn't expect to see the group come together so fast either. Mm-hmm. Because I think I, for me, I thought maybe Mark's just taking all of this in. And so I didn't expect his character all of a sudden be like, I'm tired of this. Like I'm done. Like we are yep. taking a stance now. Absolutely. I, I think it's also interesting, too, because, well, first, one, you said halfway mark. That's perfect. Uh, <laughs> two, it's interesting to me, too, because at this point, they're all willing to resist, but they're still not all on the same page. They have their different motives. Irv's still not at the level of overall dissatisfaction He's as, as Mark. He's smitten. He's just smitten. Right, and, that, and that's why I was like saying it was just that you know that's why I thought like maybe it would take it maybe an episode or two because at this stage you know we've been seeing like Mark being pressed to, uh, you know just initially just kind of just try to keep Helly from hurting herself, you mm-hmm. know, but then but it doesn't necessarily mean that's been Dylan or Irv's motivations, right? So that's why I thought it would take like you know maybe a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I almost kind of felt like too it's like when Mark you know was like. Saying I've got I've got the map. Let's work on the map. That is just like just like maybe something to distract her. So and, and I suppose picking his curiosity. But so we see them walking. They're united. They're going over to the optics and design department. And now you've got like these four strong characters standing in their power, mm-hmm. and everybody in that in the O and D department is just shocked <laughs> to see these four. Like, what is going on here? Um, and we see that interaction happen, and we also see. Dylan kind of sneak off and take something from their department. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that whole interaction, I think, was really important, too, because they're not used to seeing other people. They didn't understand why. Like, Mark asks them to maybe think about working together. And mm-hmm. for what? Like, why should we do this? And well, that, that, go ahead. Also, I, I also think it's interesting because the our protagonist characters literally comment about how they've never seen so many people because they haven't that's a much that's almost twice the size of their own department and the room is so much more vast than the little the office cubicle setup that they have going on it extends so long in a given direction that you know they they don't even know what they do and and they certainly don't know the boundaries of their own space you know and we've been taught you know and we've been taught that both departments are supposed to fear each other they both have like these like mm-hmm. ideas of what the other department is. So like, yeah, you get them together and all of a sudden it's like, oh. Uh. Yeah. And then, well, and the reason we were talking about this is because it leads us to that scene with Dylan um, being seen in his home in a closet. And we find out that he possibly has a child. But I think what was very interesting about that scene to me is that it made me feel that 
wow, this company is so powerful. They can tap into these human beings outside of work too. So now we're thrown into this closet where Melchick wants to know what he stole, where, where he, well, not what he stole, but where he put the card. And um, we've got this little kid that's around there. And I just wanted to wring Melchick's neck because he was so mean to that kid asking him to stay out of the closet. Hey, the kid was, was supposed to count to like a thousand or something. Oh, I mean, hey, if you he bre- it's Melchick. Nice if you break the rules, then there you go. Well, there There's you go. punishment. The you know, he, he needs to take the kid to the break room and break No, but the principle kid. here is that they should not be able to tap into their homes. Uh, I. I'm going to have to to air with you on this one because, first of all, that kid never signed an employment contract. He doesn't owe them anything. He's just a child. If he can count to a 1,000 at his age... Well, good for him. Yeah, That's a stupid to. thing to ask him to do, quite frankly. And you guys, uh, and you guys saw the big switch too, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like, like it a makes big you, industrial red. Yeah. yeah. So it makes it makes you want to see like what the if you pull the camera back, like what what is you, it? Yeah, is what it's connected to? Yeah, what's connected to? And who's it connected to? And who's like, handling? And who's yeah, handling yeah, it? Yeah, that yeah. was my question. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's a, a really big transgression because it's our first real signal that they, you know, once you're severed, they can control you in all sorts of ways, anytime, any way they choose. But you realize too, though, so like, but there was almost kind of um, Dylan's Audi allowed Melichek to come to the house to say, I need to do, I Mm. need to find something out about your innie. And Dylan's Audi gave him consent to say Mm -hmm. that's okay. Right. But there's probably something in that chip that's plant when it's planted surgically, right? That allows them to be able to control that. Could be, but absolutely. I'm, but it's it's a very scary situation. So they really, even once they leave the office, even the Audi world is never completely freedom for them. Mm-hmm. So okay, so let's look. Let's look at this for a second. So okay, so the, the rules that we had, the rule that there was this like it, it should have been just the workplace. That was the first rule that we thought. Now then, now the second, yeah, that's what sec- we assumed. Yeah, that's what we, we were seeing, yeah right? so that's what we assumed. So then the, the second thing now is. The pregnancy thing. Maybe is it like a pre-host or like whatever? It could be. Yeah. And now like the boundary, the boundary was like, oh, right. they can just go to their house and be able to do this without the elevator. Absolutely. Exactly. And and, and trigger it from a distance. Um, we don't know what distance that is. We don't know who's doing the triggering. But I think it's interesting too because, uh, so Dylan, my new favorite kleptomaniac. So he takes these little infographic cards that are being made by optics and designed for who knows what reason. And they have pictures of, you know, someone's looks like they're strangling someone at a point. Uh, and he says that he doesn't even know what he has, which is true. And so I, I can see them manipulating the Audi, even if there's not like something in the severance, you know, chip or, or whatever specifically it is. Uh, they tell all sorts of lies to your Audi about what happened. Yeah, absolutely. I want to comment on that, those pictures too, though. It almost seemed like those images perhaps were placed in those paintings collectively. I don't mm-hmm. know. This I'm just thinking. But again, these pictures that we saw on these cards too, they weren't happy or it, they were very odd and bizarre. And yeah. I don't know if they were related to some of what we were seeing in those paintings. In a less, gra- yeah. in a less graphic <laughs> in, way. In a way that looked when, you, when you're like on an airplane – and you pull up that card, the, mm-hmm. the pictures look a little bit more yeah. like that right. versus, right. yeah, like the versus like this like satanic, like, you right. know, devils with horns and type. Or like types workplace of, safety, yeah, apocalypse. like abstract yeah. people. 
Uh, but in this case, abstract people doing violence because, I don't know, it's Lumen. They're creepy. I don't know. Lumen is very creepy. We're still trying to figure out what's going on. But what wasn't so creepy was seeing Alexa and Mark on a date. Um, it was random, though. I didn't really know if they'd be going on a date again yeah, another. Yeah, another, yeah, just like another type of situation because, like, he blew it so bad that it's it's like surprising just to be like oh and i mean maybe you know maybe because another part of it is like because we're so uh i don't know i, I want to say like we're we okay the three of us we're invested in heli oh uh, yeah for sure we're invested in heli i don't want to see heli and mark together yeah yeah that's, and that's so like but any and audi yes but how does that work right like any mark maybe has something with i don't know and then the audi mark is you know now like you know at least it's good to see him happier yeah, because I'd say this is a very pivotal episode for Mark. Because in the last episode, we see him growing, we see him being more critical in sort of subtle ways. And in this one, Mark has swagger. Uh, he goes to the break room, and this is the first time we see him go to the break room, and he doesn't care. Even like he doesn't give a. Sh- Can I say this? He doesn't give a shit. Like, he's fine. He's like, whatever, break room. I've been there, done that. Uh, He has swagger and connection with Heli in the office, even if he doesn't understand it completely. And in in Audi Mark, it's it's a night and day difference as to to his date in this episode as the prior one. He's spontaneous. He seems more whole. And and she picks up on that. He seems more normal. I mean, you know, other than like the, the red marks on his hand, it makes us <laughs> yeah. wonder like, okay, now what happens in the break room if you don't just do like the subliminal, yes. you know, I will not do this. I will not do that. It's like, it's like, how do you get the red marks? <laughs> that's like the next. The, 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 the yardstick. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Honestly, that's what I was <laughs> thinking. It's like, if they're children, that's what I was there. thinking. It's like, put mm-hmm. your hand out and whack, yeah. you know. And, and we know from the, uh, sorry to interrupt uh-huh. you. I just wanted to mention that from the intro. You're going uh, to the break room after this, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay i'll take a like mark with swagger uh it's just interesting too because in the photograph uh, the photographs from the beginning uh we know that uh selvig was in a sort of boarding school probably like a lumen style boarding school so that continuation is probably something she literally learned and was subjected to yeah i don't think well i don't think she really sees a human value aspect right like people are just machines to her She's not really connected to anybody. Everybody's just an experiment. We don't know her full backstory yet, too. I mean, she's Mm -hmm. Mrs. Selvig, so we don't know what happened to her husband. We don't know that backstory or anything. Um, But what I wanted to add to Mark's swagger was, too, on this date, they end up going to that concert. And it's so funny how the people at that concert, the, the singers, the people in the band, they're against Lumen. Mm-hmm. And F you, um, Lumen. Yeah, they're, they're, they're so against Lumen. And we actually see Mark join them saying, F off, Lumen, or F you, Lumen, you know, mm-hmm. which is so, I don't know. I love seeing that with him because I felt like, wow, he's standing up for who he is. And because he's been questioning now what this company is and what they do. It's interesting to see that on his Audi world too. We're mm-hmm. seeing we're seeing this guy loosen up, if anything, because you know we saw a very stiff, awkward, right? yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, right? swagger. He like you said, swagger. Yeah. Before, yeah, very insecure. Absolutely, and he's spontaneous too, because they they were going to just like, well, uh, let's go to our respective cars, good citizen, and then he stops and he's like, wait, uh, actually, I have an idea, and it's spontaneous. And they're a little bit out of place, but he's into it. Yeah, 
Rick, anything else on that? No, it's just it, no, it's just I'm just thinking about the scene. <laughs> you know, just like it's like okay, I'm gonna grab a can of beer, a can of beer, like just throw some dollars from a guy with yeah. neck tattoos. Yeah, it yeah. Was and, a it's, and it's like it's like it's like it feels like it's like in an alley. You yeah, know, like this random con- concert in an alley. It's like well, this scene was kind of neat too for this episode because right now we've been stuck in this office right and then we either go from the office to this neighborhood mm-hmm. and if you think about the the use of colors the way things are shot it's just very monotone very dull we've got the grays and and, and the blues and the whites and it's like there's no spark and then all of a sudden there's actual action happening in the scene which kind of breaks up that monotony that we've been seeing in the previous mm-hmm. episode so there was like this fun element uh, to it, something very, very different, I would say. And even though, but I will say the colors were still in that same scheme, you know, like the grays mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm, blacks, and it was mm-hmm. still dark. It was still dark, even though that they were in this concert vibe. But um, it, I thought it broke up what we had been seeing in the past. I think it did. I also got to tell you, I was a little bit scared for him, just a tiny bit. Better uh, kill him because, because <laughs> here's the thing: they're really incensed. One. Uh, Mark is not their target demographic in terms of right. listening to their music. And two, they're really getting intense on this, uh, I won't say this word, F.U. Lumen. Uh, really, really, really intense. And a member of the band knows that he's from Lumen and didn't seem to like him too much in their last encounter. So that was, was Petey's daughter. Yeah, mm-hmm. June. And the same thing. It's like June is just like, oh, you know, like, I thought that we were, you know, kind of done seeing her character, you know, at the funeral. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, he's... He want he wants to because like the whole thing is like he wants to see see her again or like yeah. whatever so and like that's what kind of gets him there so to see like this character show up again right. and it's just like oh okay well we've got some episodes left and you're mm-hmm. trying to build is that what you're doing dude are you trying to build a relationship with this person who thinks that like dude you shouldn't you don't know my dad like or didn't know my father mm-hmm. but so, maybe she's the missing piece Rick that's gonna help her help him un- you know unsolve this mystery or solve this mystery. Like maybe this is unsolved mystery. I know, I'm like, Robert I feel Stack. like she's going to offer something <laughs> that she experienced with her dad that maybe yeah. may help Mark. I don't know. I also think that that one of the keys for Mark to to evolve both any Mark and Audi Mark and kind of reintegrate has been emotion. It's been the memory of his wife. It's been uh, seeing the funeral with Petey and seeing the family grieving. And so being connected to these deep emotional things that, that the severance procedure can't apparently touch at the end of the day is really the key to his reintegration. Uh, I don't even know if he's going to get a procedure to fix it, but it's definitely helping him on both ends of the, uh, on, of the elevator. Like, you know, like we talked about like the, the yeah, meeting of the 50, 50, of the yeah. t- of the two guys meeting somewhere in the middle, and it's like which guy is going to break break ground first? Is it Audi Mark or is it Any Mark? Well, it's coming closer and closer because we also then see that he ends up picking up the phone and taking the call from Petey's phone. Right? He's been debating this entire time. He's been ignoring these blocked calls. Finally, picks it up, gets called to a school that he used to teach at, and we don't know who this character is because she doesn't share her name. Uh, we barely get any information from her, right? But like, but Harmony referenced uh, Rackaby, yeah. Har- like mm-hmm. you know, at some point in time, you know, when it came to like them deciphering uh, Petey's. And Rackaby is the name that we think we heard. Right? Uh, yeah, we right, right, right. It's quick. But it's super quick. It's, yeah. 
So that's you know so like that's so we we can only assume maybe maybe she's Rackaby maybe could or, be or or connected to the same because there's a whole organization that PD mentioned that and it was the, yes. the, the the they the, the they. they yeah the they so th- it could be the same person and I I feel like maybe it's the setup to that but also they could be just part of the they any favorite moments from this episode. Well, let's think, let's look, let's talk, let's talk about the, uh, you know, the secret place, mm-hmm. you know, because you guys, you know, like Rasha, you're getting more partial to Irv. I you know, am. Jeff, Jeff has been wanting to explore Irv since like you know episodes one and two when we, when we but first Jeff sat just down. Said Dylan now. Well, so I don't know. That's true. Well, because we, because we got that there. we got because we got that really cool gem. But that's what's great about it is that we're kind of opening up on everybody in terms of like mm-hmm. who whatever. But like that secret place, like Bert. And Irv in like that weird plant room. Yeah, like, and we had, like, we weird, had, but it was yeah, kind of a, a cute just scene for us. too. Just yeah, yeah, we had we had a goat room, and now we have this like just like just plant, plant room. You know, and, and then Irv telling him he's like, I, I'm not ready. Right, and, and we're accepting okay. that. That's why I love how their relationship is flourishing, and there's that level of trust. Yeah. And that's what I was saying with episode five too, right? The, the emotions we're mm-hmm. starting to see trust being built between people, as well as people also questioning trust as well i I think there's an interesting line earlier in this episode where uh dylan kind of half jokingly puts out there love transcends severance and that's like nah like shrugs it off but also maybe (laughs) because we're definitely seeing irv go through that journey even if it's subtle and i also think that's kind of the key for mark starting to reintegrate and starting to get bolder any and Audi. Uh, I think his love for his wife and his love for his friend were both key driving forces uh, for both characters. And I mean, I got to say too, with like Bert and Irv, just if like, let's take the actors, John Turturro and Christopher Walken. I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of their stuff. I can't say I've seen every little single thing, but to see them play these characters, you know, just like and like their chemistry together. It's yeah. it's it's awesome. Like they made this choice to say, like, I want to play this character opposite yeah. this guy, and they're making it work. And yeah. they're very vulnerable. Absolutely. I think we've seen them play stronger parts, you know. And in here, you're almost seeing like these two grown men that are opening up their hearts and kind of breaking down. And there's just the subtlety of, mm-hmm. of the way they're behaving with because yeah because we don't because sometimes we don't even get to because we don't get to see that exploration a lot in television no. right especially not for characters of their 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 age yes, right and and this is a new experience for them but they're they're open and honest and non-stereotypical it's a it's a beautiful and nuanced performance and situation i think i love that that storyline has been integrated into this story so hopefully they'll be together by the end of it all you know, because it wasn't, because I can't remember if we had a conversation, if we weren't sure if Christopher Walken was just going to be a flash in the pan. Right. Right. You know, because. But the initial because, episodes, you couldn't tell, right? Because, right? because he's Christopher Walken. But he's, he's, but, but his, you know, his name's in the credit. He's and, you know, the, right. and whether he's a flash in the pan or not, you got to give Christopher Walken his due and give him, you know, all the, the titles and everything. So, like, it's great to see that, yeah, he's not a flash in the pan character. He's there. Absolutely. I also like to point out that uh, Burton Irving. Sounds very similar to. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, Sesame Street <laughs> denies that. Sesame Street denies. Oh my gosh! That. Yes, okay. thank you for that reminder. <laughs> Leave it to Jeff. There well, are many questions that we have for the, uh, you know, for the creators and everything else, and like every this part of the show to say, hey, do you think maybe? Yeah. Bert Irving. We have a yeah. lot of questions. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you for joining us on episode six of Processing Severance brought to you by the Hollywood Critics Association. Again, we would love to hear from you. So don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Hollywood Critics Association. You can always email us at shows at HollywoodCriticsAssociation.com. Make sure to put severance in the subject and let us know what are your theories? What do you guys think is going to happen in episode seven? Um, I want to know what's on your mind. Thank you again for joining us for this episode.